$10 or more a month, your gift goes further by providing KPFA with a stable source of income to support the programming that you value. It's easy and it provides a tax deduction, plus it helps us reduce the amount of time needed on air for fund drives, and I like that a lot. So to become an ally, go to kpfa.org and click support. Thank you. Do you know what Area 941 is? It's kpfa.org's new podcasting space. This allows us to expand our programming with more on-demand programs so you can listen when you want or download them at any time. Area 941 is just another reason why people say, I heard it on KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is a minute past 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. Those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is the first day I'm on KPFA tormented by thoughts of this iron dog the people have chosen. Barbara Boxer has begun the process to rid us of the Electoral College. I guess she introduces a bill... Uh, goes from there, I don't know, that's step one. Um, Elizabeth Warren was interviewed on MSNBC. Uh, she told us, you know, retrench. She's the Democratic senator from Massachusetts. And I guess for me, she's the voice of the Democratic Party. She's sitting in Ted Kennedy's old seat. Bernie Sanders is up and running. Where the hell is Al Gore? He's the last candidate to be flummoxed by the Electoral College. He is needed, needed to speak up. Champion environmentalism. Looked at his book last night, the first book, uh, Earth in the Balance. He published that before he ran for VP with Bill Clinton. Anyway, uh, I guess the, the environmental, environmental, uh, advocates, oh God, it's just unbearable. I, I guess what, 
what irritates me is that they didn't even mention it during the TV debates. I mean, I know all about people who deny it, but they didn't even bother to, to do that. I mean, once, once Hillary, uh, she listed environmental crises as part of the work to be done, you know. Today is November the 22nd, 2016. Thanksgiving is day after tomorrow. Oh, God, I'm thankful for the the courage I see responding to the cruelty, the fundamental mean-spiritedness that looms over us. Courage, cruelty, and comedy. That's the essay I was working on for this week, but... Ah, as the Donald says, it's just words, words, words. Comedy is certainly the hardest part. Uh, Check out the covers of The New Yorker, a noble effort to put this lurch to the right into perspective. Uh, Anyway, nobody died, right? Well... Maybe they did. Uh, Leonard Cohen, anyway, he died. Uh, I'm sure the election helped that along. I'm trying to focus. Uh, This week I was playing his last CD or album, whatever the uh, prophetic title of Leonard Cohen's last effort is. You want it darker? Jingle bells, my school teachers back in the mid-20th centuries. 20th century, right, 53, one of them told me that the fate of the state, the fate of our great experiment here in this nation, was to see if we could all get along. Yes, can't we all hold hands, the haves, have not, have a little, have a lot. My professor, uh, Goldine, Professor Goldine. Uh Uh-huh, I was a junior, I think she told me, at Mills College. She explained to me that it is always a race between education and disaster. Seems to me that uh, we certainly... uh, have failed to educate. Ah, uh-huh. citizens, citizens. Civilization is not a frill. Democracy uh, takes all your weeknights. I was uh, drummed out of the public schools myself, but I gave up too easily. I was one of those who didn't have the courage to go on, to fight, to struggle. Uh, I sought solace in the arts. Oh, yes, the liberal elites, the effete dimes, snobs, you know. Aha, sitting there in the library at my public school being drummed out for being a commie dud, saying to myself, uh, their ignorance almost destroys my patience. Oh, God, to be a writer, uh, that was all that was left. <laughs> the last scrap, 
The feminist fist in the air. Oh, hell's bells, I should be ashamed of myself. I dropped the ball. I knew it was coming. Mrs. Goldeen was right. Uh, I can't fall back on any excuses. Of course I knew. I knew what happens when greed takes over. When sexism, racism, and otherism, you know, all the isms, I was warned that fascism was the outcome of extreme crony capitalism. But knowing isn't doing. Give every thought its action. Or shut up. Today, I just want to read to you what Toni Morrison has to say about whiteness. I feel that she is equipped to discuss uh, <laughs> uh, racism, otherism. Uh, James Baldwin thought it was about fear of the dark. He equated uh, white fear, the fear of blacks. Uh, he said it was the fear of death. Could be, could be. Um, I think that there is some kind of racist in the heart of every man. And uh, I always thought that sexist, <laughs> sexist trumped racist, right. Uh, I think they just go hand in hand. Look, look, hard at Barack Obama. How did we get that Renaissance man into the White House? A liberal, Hawaii, sophisticate, internationalist, cosmopolitan. His family is spread around the world. He's got a brother in China. His half-sister, Maya, is a New Age teacher. got an essay on Maya that I should read to you soon. Uh, how is it that America could see this man, could look and see this thoughtful writer who lives with four women? That uh, includes his mother-in-law, wife and two daughters. Now compare that man, Barack Obama, scholar and humorous that he is, hold him up next to the Barnum and Bailey bully who has grasped the nettle of that bitter undergrowth. The true, true deplorables, as Hillary called them, Donald J. Trump, just may be the leader we deserve, but at least, at least half of us say no, and those who drank the Kool-Aid, they will live to regret it, but uh, not nearly so much as I will. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I spent part of this past week trying to find antidotes to racism and sexism. Again, I always go to the... Not just to the movies, but to the writers and the thinkers and poets and philosophers. Uh, ah, there's a movie on HBO. It's titled Race, as in R-A-C-E, Race. 
I had just watched the Jackie Robinson story on Turner Classic Movies, TCM. That's an old black and white film made in 1946, starring Jackie Robinson as himself. You remember Jackie Robinson, the man who integrated baseball or desegregated baseball, uh... That was, he did it in 1946, 45, 46, right, 46, and the movie was made in 46, and it is just as up-to-date and just as uh, cutting-edge as this movie on HBO, Race. Uh -huh. It's all about Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens um, starts in 1933, the year I was born, yes. Here Hitler came to power. Uh, Jesse Owens won four gold medals in 1936 in Berlin at the Games. As an Olympic champion, he managed to embarrass Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels. <laughs> Those guys' racist insanity was anathema even to the German athletes. Uh... I, I want to take time to review that film in depth soon. I was actually deeply moved. Although I doubt if Lenny Riefenstahl really didn't know that Joseph Goebbels spoke English or could understand English. <laughs> Jeremy Irons was brilliant as the American uh, sellout, I guess, Avery Brundage. Aha. Uh -huh. He buckled under Joseph Goebbels' uh, tricks. Yes, tricked him. He set him up, and then he said, If you don't get rid of those two Jews, uh, I'll tell on you. Anyway, that's a spoiler. I don't want to ruin it, because maybe there are people around who still don't know that Joseph Goebbels uh, did did get rid of the American Jews who tried to compete in the 1936 Olympics. Let me read you instead a piece I found by Toni Morrison. Uh, she writes about the recent disaster. She does not say that race was the only factor in this recent election. She simply says that it's an underlying cause. Uh, I found this piece in the New Yorker uh, for November 21st. Uh, it's part of an essay titled The Aftermath, I recommend, uh, The Aftermath. It includes the views of 16 different writers. Starts with the... Uh, Words of George Packer. He seems to do the best job of summing up what has happened, uh, what has just hit us. Anyway, Toni Morrison was our Nobel laureate for literature back in 1993. And uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure, Bob Dylan won recently, but uh, the literary... Nobel seldom goes to Americans. Uh, anyway, here's Toni Morrison's piece called Mourning for Whiteness. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, Mourning for Whiteness. This 
is a serious project. All immigrants to the United States know and knew that if they want to become real, authentic Americans, they must reduce their fealty to their native country, regarded as secondary subordinate in order to emphasize their whiteness. Unlike any nation in Europe, the United States holds whiteness as the unifying force. Here, for many people, the definition of Americanness is color. Under slave laws, the necessity for color rankings was obvious, but in America today, post-civil rights legislation, white people's conviction of their natural superiority is being lost, rapidly lost. <laughs> My own footnote here. I couldn't help it, yes. Uh, hell hath no fury like a white man scorned. Tony Morrison goes on to write, There are people of color everywhere threatening to erase this long-understood definition of America. So what then? Another black president? A predominantly black Senate? Three black court justices? The threat is frightening. In order to limit the possibility of this untenable change and restore whiteness to its former status as a marker of national identity, a number of white Americans are sacrificing themselves. They have begun to do things they clearly don't really want to be doing, and to do so, they are, one, abandoning their sense of human dignity, and two, risking the appearance of cowardice. Much as they may hate their behavior and know full well how craven it is, they are willing to kill small children attending Sunday school. Slaughter churchgoers who invite a white boy to pray. Now, embarrassing as the obvious display of cowardice must be, they are willing to set fire to churches, to start firing in them while the members are at prayer. And shameful as such demonstrations of weakness are, they are willing to shoot black children in the street. To keep alive the perception of white superiority, these white Americans tucked their heads under comb-shaped hats and American flags and deny themselves the dignity of face-to-face -face confrontation, training their guns, on the unarmed, the innocent, the scared. On subjects who are running away, exposing their unthreatening backs to bullets. Surely shooting a fleeing man in the back hurts the presumption of white strength. The sad plight of grown white men crouching beneath their better selves, to slaughter the innocent during traffic stops, 
to push black women's faces into the dirt, to handcuff black children? Only the frightened would do that, right? These sacrifices made by supposedly tough white men who are prepared to abandon their humanity out of fear of black men and women suggest the true horror of lost status. Another footnote here. The best book I have read on this subject is by uh, Susan Faludi, she who wrote Backlash. She wrote another book called Stiffed about the white male uh, working, well, middle working, nobody nobody seems to know which is which anymore, uh, the men who feel that they have been stiffed or dissed. Uh, Toni Morrison goes on to write, It may be hard to feel pity for the men who are making these bizarre sacrifices in the name of white power and supremacy. <laughs> I can't help but another footnote, yes. Pity the monsters, that's what the poets say, pity the monsters. How silly and superior to say pity the monsters. I don't know where I was when I thought that way, but... Obviously, uh, it's no joke. Uh, Tony Morrison goes on to write, Personal debasement is not easy for white people, especially for white men. But to retain the conviction of their superiority to others, especially to black people, they are willing to risk contempt, to be reviled by the mature, the sophisticated, and the strong if it weren't so ignorant and pitiful, one could mourn this collapse of dignity in service to an evil cause. The comfort of being naturally better than, in quotes, naturally better than, and of not having to struggle or demand civil treatment. That's hard to give up the confidence that you will not be watched in a department store, that you are the preferred customer in high-end restaurants. These social inflections uh, belonging to whiteness are greedily relished. So scary are the consequences of a collapse of white privilege that many Americans have flocked to a political platform that supports and translates violence against the defenseless as strength. Another footnote. That's Orwellian, yes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Cowardice is strength. Anyway. <clears throat> Tony Morrison goes on. These people are not so much angry as terrified with the kind of terror that makes knees tremble. On election day, how eagerly so many white voters, both the poorly educated and the well-educated, embraced the shame and fear sowed by Donald Trump. 
the candidate whose company has been sued by the Justice Department for not renting apartments to black people, the candidate who questioned whether Barack Obama was born in the United States and who seemed to condone the beating of a Black Lives Matter protester at a campaign rally. The candidate who kept black workers off the floors of his casinos. The candidate who is beloved by David Duke and endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan. William Faulkner understood this, understood it better than almost any other American writer <clears throat> in his novel Absalom, Absalom. Incest is less of a taboo for an upper-class Southern family than acknowledging the one drop of black blood that would clearly soil the family line rather than lose its whiteness once again the family chooses murder that is the end of the essay by uh, our Nobel laureate Toni Morrison uh, Toni Morrison has reached the age uh, where I worry about her demise. Leonard Cohen has died at age 82. I'm 82. I I think those of us who have come to the end of our lives uh, look back and try to see where we went wrong. And then, of course, history <laughs> history happens and we realize that, of course... It's all just circles, maybe spirals. Um, you know, three steps forward, five steps back. This Dickensian look of our streets. I put together some notes um, next to this Toni Morrison essay about Tom, Thomas Jefferson and Sally, Sally Hemmings. The father and mother of our nation, their stories, their history, and of course, the absolute absence of whiteness from our DNA, our heritage. You know, uh, we're all part of the mix, the soup. <laughs> our DNA has proved that. But it will take, oh, many generations for this to soak in, to actually make our behavior change. I don't understand uh, altogether the nature uh, of this illness. I remember back when James Baldwin died, we sat around, uh, 1987 it was, saying, well, everything would be all right, and soon we would all be tea-colored, and there wouldn't be any confusion and... Uh, <laughs> We would look back and see that it was the so-called black writers who enlightened us, particularly the women, uh, the Toni Morrisons and Alice Walkers, the long list of women who had not been heard from when I was a girl in school. Uh, 
I was looking last night at a book I need to bring to KPFA called Swing Time. Never mind, I, I don't have time to tell you all about that, but Swing Time is being reviewed all over uh, NPR, and uh, I'm sure you'll have a chance to find uh, that info. Next time I want to go again to the movie Race. It's on HBO. And it's all about Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens' name was J.C., but his teacher got it wrong. So he turned into Jesse Owens, American hero. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'll be back on the air next week at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. There's your picture. The shadow out of sight. Demand the Impossible is a thrilling radical manifesto, refreshing, functional. Medea Benjamin says it will get you up and into the street, fist raised, heart full, reaching for the spectacular. This will be presented by writer Bill Ayers with Bernardine Dorn, former weather folk, now fierce social justice activists. Thursday, December 1st at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. There's free parking and wheelchair access at this KPFA benefit. Advanced tickets at brownpapertickets.com and indie bookshops. See the KPFA website for the outspoken support of Naomi Klein, Vijay Prashad, Chris Hedges, Angela Davis, and so many more. For Bill and Bernie.